Welcome to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. I am your host, Seth Gruber. We have a special episode for you this week. I got to sit down with my buddy Kevin Conover from Educate for Life recently, and they exist to raise up confident Christians with access to apologetics online to defend why the Bible is true in the public square and with their friends, family members, and coworkers. And Kevin has a great radio show and podcast called Educate for Life on KPraise in San Diego County, as well as wherever you listen to podcasts. We sat down recently to discuss human equality, Black Lives Matter, and systemic abortion racism, and so much more. So enjoy our conversation discussing all of these important issues at this important and propitious moment in our culture. Thanks for tuning in. My guest today is Seth Gruber, and uh, SethGruber.com, you can check him out there. He is the son of a Pregnancy Resource Center director and started speaking on the issue of um, defending the lives of the unborn at the age of 19. Seth, thanks for being here today. Yeah, Kevin, thanks for having me on. And you're broadcasting down here also in Southern California. You've got a regular uh, program that you're putting out every every. That's uh, right. Week. It's called Unaborted with Seth Gruber, and it, it airs uh, Sunday evenings at 6.30 p.m. on KPraise, and then the full program available on my podcast. Yeah, and that's amazing. You've been doing this for uh, since the age of 19. Um, you know, I have a lot of questions to ask you. You know, one of them being, you know, do you ever get attacked for being a you know, in our culture today, our PC culture, our cancel culture, you're a white male and you're speaking on, um, you know, why women shouldn't be getting abortions. That's right. Does that ever come against you? Right. I'm a, I'm a white cisgender and yeah, to make it exactly. worse, Christian male. Yeah. Uh, so I don't check any. You're the uh, bottom of the barrel. Uh, yeah, here, that's man. right. I, really, yeah. <laughs> I don't check any of the uh, leftist, uh, you know, check boxes. Yeah, uh, you, you so are the victim. I'm enemy number one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, of course, I get that all the time. You know, yeah. luckily, God built me to be able to handle those kind of attacks. And, and then I just, you know, I gently remind my critics that they're sexists because they're discounting my arguments and my position based off of my genitalia and if I did that to them uh, we would have a moral upheaval so yeah and isn't that the the uh, constant battle war facing is showing somebody else why they're being hypocritical yeah. as they condemn our per particular views right that's right well you were just talking about that with yeah. how the governments and state governments have treated the lockdown orders while giving a free pass to abortion clinics who apparently uh, don't have to shut down and don't have to stop their elective surgeries to protect the vulnerable or to protect the spread of yeah. COVID-19. And so. the conclusion we draw here is what? Abortion is not about healthcare. Yeah. Because if it was, you would be consistently treating it like every other form of surgery and holding them to the same standards as well as to the same regulations that you're imposing on every other form of surgery during, you know, these draconian policies and lockdowns. Absolutely. And if it's not about healthcare, then what is it about? So abortion fits into the larger issue of human equality, right? That's ultimately what we're talking about. We're not yeah. talking about healthcare, we're not talking about privacy. We're not talking about women's rights or feminism or women need abortion to be on an equal playing field with men so they're not burdened by that, you know, that annoying reproductive system that God built into their system yeah. <laughs> that would prevent them from attaining the same level of success in the workplace and the same level of income as a man. It's not about any of that. It's about the simple question of who counts as one of us. And we've been having this conversation for millennia, haven't we? This is not the first time our country has been divided on the question, are all humans persons? Yeah. And who counts as one of us? Kevin, we had a civil war over this question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Half I, I, the country said, no, all humans are persons and skin color is an arbitrary measure 
by which to deny someone rights of personhood. And now the pro-abortion movement and woke progressives treat the unborn child in the same way that the Democratic Party treated African Americans, which is to come up with arbitrary standards for personhood and human equality. And if you don't meet their arbitrary contrived standards or checkboxes that you have to meet to be considered a person in the eyes of the Democratic Party, then you're not a person. And we can dismember you through point of birth, fund it with your tax dollars and call it reproductive health care. Yeah. So that's really what we're talking about. Who counts as one of us and are all humans persons? That's awesome. Seth Gruber, um, SethGruber.com. He also worked with Life Training Institute. And what he's really doing is trying to make it very clear uh, the arguments for why these children that are not born yet need to be able to have life. And he's trying to make those arguments uh, normal and well-known, right? And so, um, Seth, before we get it, because I want to talk, I want our listeners to hear some of these discussions because I think you're very articulate. You're, you're, you have a great, uh, uh, unique ability to be able to communicate effectively on these issues. So, but before we get into that, tell us um, what is Life Training Institute? How did you get involved with them and, and what is the mission there? What are you trying to achieve? Yeah, Life Training Institute is a national pro-life organization with a small team of elite pro-life speakers scattered throughout the country for strategic purposes, primarily to reach young people, yeah. to reach students in schools around the country. And we were launched in 2004 by Scott Klusendorf, who came from Stand to Reason, which for the listeners of your show who are into Christian worldview and apologetics, yeah. I mean, there is no bigger name. I just had Greg Kokel on the show just a, a little while ago, and That's right. uh, it was an amazing discussion. He's just very, very sharp and quick and well-practiced. Oh, and his book, Tactics, is, is, is yeah. just seminal. It's yeah. incredible, right? Yeah. And so Scott Klusendorf actually co-wrote um, a, a whole series with Greg Kokel called Making Abortion Unthinkable in the early 2000s. And this sort of became the first blueprint for what would become pro-life apologetics. Mm. Nobody had ever really talked about that before. And so Scott left Stand to Reason in 2003 or four to start Life Training Institute, which functions like a microcosm of Stand to Reason, but focused only on abortion. Equipping, training, and discipling Christian leaders, lay people, parents, and young people, which is our, our big focus, to make a gracious and persuasive defense of their pro-life beliefs in the public square. And the reason why this is important, Kevin, and, and this is a reason I want to tell your listeners too is most people who are pro-life and they're maybe they're they're predisposed to be pro-life because they're a Christian. Sure. If they're challenged by a pro-choice friend, family member, or coworker with arguments against the pro-life position, many of them will not know what to say. Yeah. And they'll have the sort of moral reflex that that argument feels wrong. Yeah. Um, but they're not able to articulate why and give a compelling defense of the pro-life position in the face of opposition. Mm. And we know that that is the number one problem amongst Christians who just identify with the pro-life label. They actually don't know how to engage. Yes, And yes. so they're, they shrink back in silence out of fear because they don't know what to say. So we're empowering the next generation, giving them the tools of thought they need to defend life, while also challenging pro-choice students to reconsider their position by examining evidence that they haven't seen or heard before. Mm, I love it. Love love your uh, God with all your uh, heart, mind, and soul, right? So, That's right. So, um, you know, I, I'm, we're going to get into these arguments because I, I feel like it's really important for our listeners. I've, as a, a teacher, as a 12th grade Bible teacher, we cover this, uh, the abortion unit, we go over this. Great. And I have found it's ranked as, uh, you know, one or two each year because I, I ask my students, what did you find the most helpful or the most interesting or something that you felt to be more the most useful right. and uh this issue uh, ranks very high for them 
And I think it's because it's something that they're bumping into frequently um, what, through through the relationships. Um, you, you know, Lord willing, not in our school, but I know every once in a while at a Christian school, this does happen. Yeah. But also with their friends outside of the Christian school environment. Um, I know that some of our high schools actually now have teen centers. Um, I believe one of our East County schools has over 150 young moms going to school with a daycare. So there, wow. there are kids, 150 kids in a daycare so that these teen moms Whoa. can go to school. And that's not, not something you would ever have seen in the past. Right. But a, but a, and, and thank God that those babies weren't aborted, but still it's a big issue. Um, And a lot of those kids aren't showing up in those daycares because of the fact that they are being aborted. That's right. And so um, when we come back, stay, stay with us because I'm going to actually talk to Seth about some of the big arguments that come up that people have struggled to answer. And we're going to get some of those answers for you so that you can become better equipped to be able to communicate, like he said, compassionately and intelligently about such a critical issue that we're dealing with right now. We'll be right right. back. My guest today is Seth Gruber, and uh, he is a pro-life speaker. He argues uh, in defense of the unborn child, and this is a part of a biblical worldview. And I, I wanted to run this by you, Seth, because... You said that when, when you were talking earlier, you, were, you said that people are arbitrarily um, making these decisions about life and so forth. And, you know, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Is it possible for somebody to be pro-life who is not a Bible-believing Christian or a, somebody who believes in God? Is that still possible? For someone to be pro-life and not identify with the Christian worldview. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, we work with organizations that are, you know, strictly atheist in their worldview, yeah. but are pro-life activists. Not just not just pro-life by label, attitudinally opposed to abortion, yeah. but are activists. There's a group called Atheists for Life. There's a group called Democrats for Life. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to say if you're a Democrat, you're not a Christian, but by and large now, today's Democratic Party, yeah. be how radical and far to the left they've gone, oh, yeah. they're, they're not born-again believers. Um, and they're, and the, many of them who run that organization are atheists as well, and they're, they're pro-life activists. There's a group in San Francisco, probably the worst place to be a pro-life activist, called yeah. Pro-Life San Francisco. And I'm going to be talking with some of the people from over there on my podcast in the next couple of weeks. And uh, the director is an atheist, uh, Democrat, uh, vegan, uh, pro-LGBTQ, pro-life activist. Wow, now that, <laughs> so, that is unusual. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I mean, yes, because it's not, you, it's not strictly about the Christian worldview. Now, the Christian worldview, I'm going to argue, provides the best moral foundation yeah. on which to make sense of, of objective truth yeah. and certainly the pro-life position. And I, and I would even love to have you know conversations with people who are atheists and pro-life and just have friendly conversations about how do you ground mm. objective morality yeah. and where does this sense come from? So we can have those deeper conversations. I think that they need to have a more firm grounding for their beliefs. Sure, but sure. the point is they're recognizing the self-evident nature of the pro-life position because the science of embryology is so clear. Okay. And so that's what I wanted to ask you about. And what I want our listeners to hear from you is you said it's a self-evident truth, the self-evident truth from embryology. What do you mean by that? How do I communicate with somebody who isn't necessarily a Bible-believing Christian or isn't somebody who's solid in their faith and and who's saying, you know what, um, I think it's just going to be better off here if I get rid of this baby um, regardless. 
uh, how do you communicate with them about it or or from a public policy uh, stance? If you're dealing with people across the aisle who aren't who don't hold the same values you do, what is that argument that you're talking about there that's self-evident? Yeah, that's right. That's a really good question. And as I mentioned on the first part of our program, the issue of abortion fits into the larger issue of human equality. Who counts as one of us? A lot of pro-lifers, they like to they like to protest abortion by framing the debate in terms of the consequences for the mother. Mm. You're going to regret this, right? Your, your chances of alcoholism or being predisposed to certain— Or suicide ideation exactly, or whatever it might be. increase because yeah. of your abortion. Yeah. Now, all of that is true, yeah. but that is not why abortion is wrong. And I, and I, I have a real bone to pick with pro-lifers who ground their opposition to abortion yeah. from that framework. That's like saying, like, like beating your slave, I, I, you don't want to do that because you might regret it. Mm. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> what yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. That's a human being. It dude. has it has no uh, recognition of the the person that's suffering. That's right. And, yeah. and 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 when we do that, you know what we do, Kevin? We play into the hands of the pro-abortion movement, whose entire narrative and strategy is built on filtering out of sight any recognition of a separate human being bearing the injuries of choice. They have to filter out any recognition of that child. That's why Bill Clinton vetoed the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act, mm. which said, hey, can we just agree, can we have a bipartisan agreement that if a child is 75% way delivered out of the birth canal with its legs flailing around, but the, the shoulders and head are inserted in the birth canal still, can we agree to not insert scissors into the back of their neck and yeah. suck their brains out? Yeah. And he vetoed that bill. Why? Because if you recognize the reality and presence of a separate human being mm. whose existence somehow matters, then you've you've destroyed the entire foundation on which the pro-choice worldview is built, mm. which is that there is no other human being. Mm -hmm. There is no one else whose existence matters. It's just her, her body, her choice, her life, her lived experience. So, so you know, bringing this up, it seems to me that what people are doing, I mean, it's obvious, it's intuitive, it's scientific, it's logical, it's common sense that that is a separate live, human being. So my question for you in that regard is, it, it almost feels like we're not doing battle with logic anymore. What we're doing is it's just right versus wrong. That's right. Um, and so how do you how do you win a war when the people are no longer interested in hearing uh, common sense or in, in listening to science or listening to logic? Um, what what is the and it seems like we're making progress. Honestly, I feel like we're making progress. Um, what what is the next step here in this battle? There there are so many battle fronts in the war. Yeah. Of the pro the abortion wars, right? Yeah, this yeah. is a war. David Delayden and the whole. Uh, that's right. The, the, the yeah. There's there's so many different battle fronts yeah. that we need to fight on. Yeah. And some of them are cultural, some of them are political, and some of them are religious. Yeah. Because you know it's very popular saying right uh, that that uh, politics is downstream from culture. Um, but culture is also downstream from religion. The breakdown of the Christian worldview in mm. America mm -hmm. has led to a more broken culture because yeah. people have abandoned the very ideas of objective truth that made the most sense yeah. of pro-life laws and pro-family and and the institution of marriage. So as, as, as religion broke down, culture broke down, and now we're seeing the consequences of bad ideas 
that were watered in the culture. Yeah. Uh, blossoming in our politics. Yeah. And so we, there's a lot of battlefronts we need to fight on. Yeah. But you're right. A lot of people are not interested in the in the reality of the matter that from the moment of conception, there's a distinct living and whole human being. Yeah. Because the law of biogenesis strictly states that all living things reproduce after their own kind. Yes. So if cats can only create cats, then a mother and father can only create someone of their same uh, you know, nature, yes. another human being. Yeah. So um, that's, that all, again, is all logical and everything. So what do you see as your objective um, when you're speaking and you're talking on university campuses or you're debating or you're speaking at high schools or whatever the case is, what is it you're trying to achieve? Is it that these young people are in a place where they haven't made a decision about it? They're uninformed about it? And what you're trying to do is reach the people that are uninformed to make them aware so that they can make a good decision. Is that the goal? Right. There's a lot of, the, yeah, there, there's a lot of what we do. They, they fit into three main camps. Our, our goals are to equip pro-life students who are already pro-life with yeah. the tools of thought they need yeah. to be a gracious and persuasive voice for the unborn. Um, we, we want to empower them with the information and knowledge necessary to make a courageous stand for life so that when they're confronted with evil ideas, they won't shrink back in silence. Mm. Secondly, we want to challenge pro-choice students and adults as well to reconsider their position by examining evidence they haven't seen or heard before. Why is that important? Because, Kevin, most pro-choice individuals have never had a intelligent, lengthy conversation with a pro-life individual who knows exactly what they believe and why they believe it and can articulate why pro-lifers believe what they believe. Yeah. So they're being inculcated with pro-abortion ideas from a pro-abortion culture and media. And those are the ideas that are primarily shaping their view of abortion. Mm. But when students see the reality of abortion, of the unborn child dismembered, and hear the arguments from science and from philosophy for the pro-life position, many of them change their mind. Many people are on the fence and they're persuaded by pro-life ideas, but they're also struggle with some of those pro-choice arguments. Mm. And so they're being torn both ways. We come in and we bring moral and spiritual clarity on an issue that very few people are bringing clarity to. And when that clarity is established, many people become more courageous. Many other people change their mind That's and fantastic. become pro-life. And lastly, we we offer the gospel of Jesus Christ to students who have been injured and wounded by abortion, who have arranged the death of their children, and remind them that Jesus is just as eager to forgive the sin of abortion mm. as any other sin. Amen. And God wants to create beauty from your ashes and use you to now help where you used to hurt. That's awesome. So those are our goals. Praise God. That's fantastic. My guest today is Seth Gruber, sethgruber.com. You can check him out. And um, if you need somebody who's able to communicate effectively on this issue, which uh, we just need to get this message out more and more because we are gaining ground. And we'll talk about that when we come back. How is the culture changing from 1973, Roe versus Wade, to where we are today? What are the positive uh, things that are happening in our culture um, that are moving us in a good direction? So stay with us. We're going to be right back. Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning in to Kevin and I's conversation on human equality and systemic racism in the abortion industry and Black Lives Matter and how we as Christians can stand for life in this very divisive and cultural moment our country finds itself in. And if this podcast and episode has been helpful for you to remain informed and equipped on how to defend life and how to defend the equality of our unborn neighbors, then consider becoming a patron of the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unaborted. We just released a whole 
section of tiers to provide some incentives and perks for patrons of the podcast to get more pro-life content, exclusive Patreon-only content, and conversations with me online as well. So if you want to help us expand the reach of the show, produce more pro-life content to reach the church and young people to defend life, as well as take our pro-life content to the streets and engage the public on these basic pro-life ideas and these basic principles of human justice and human equality, then please consider becoming a patron of the show, patreon.com forward slash unaborted. And we'll be right back with a whole lot more. My guest today is Seth Gruber. Um, and again, my, my name is Kevin Conover. I'm with Educate for Life. That's my ministry. And uh, you can check out all that we offer on educateforlife.org. Uh, Seth, SethGruber.com, if you want to get a very, very compelling, intelligent, compassionate uh, speaker on the issue of defending the life of the unborn. Seth, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, our, our culture right now seems primed for this discussion because everywhere right now with the, the huge... Um, Black Lives Matter uh, movement that popped into existence uh, and all the riots and the protesting. This is all a fight over equality, um, right. people are saying. Now, we, we know that uh, BLM actually has some undercurrents that are very, very dangerous. <laughs> to put it lightly. Uh, yeah, to put it lightly. But uh, regardless, for a lot of people, this is about equality. And so it's interesting. I've seen these um, social media uh, influencers out on the street talking to people and the, the person will say, say black lives matter. And the other person will say unborn black lives matter. And I just thought, whoa, that's, that's a uh, pretty interesting there where this is all going. Right. And can you um, connect the dots for us between what's happening with the whole, uh, you know, equality movement here and how that relates to the issue of the pro-life movement? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Really good question, Kevin. <clears throat> our, our country is, is currently being torn apart by two different visions of America. Right. And, and some of these people are very politically motivated yeah. to tear down the institutions of America. The ironic part is that the institution and the ideas that created this republic provide the best moral foundation on which to enshrine human equality mm. in law to protect the right to life, liberty and property. Yeah. And yet these the very people who are claiming that there's systemic racism and that we're a systemically evil country from our inception. Yeah. are are just are are attacking a country that is the best positioned, whose ideas are the best positioned. Their philosophical to, foundation to accomplish the goals that they want to yeah. accomplish, which is equality for all people. That's right. And and we could get into a lot of, you know, whether, you know, whether some of these claims being made by organizations like Black Lives Matter are, are even true. We probably don't have the time to get into all of that. But the, the, the basic claim they're making, right, is that, is that African-American individuals, human beings, are being discriminated against, targeted disproportionately. And that this is a reflection of systemic racism, not of personal choices, but of people who are targeting them simply because they are black, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So let's just, let's just assume that, right? Let's say, okay, grant your argument that that's true. That is evil. That would be wrong, of yeah. course. Yeah. And the whole idea, that's why many people don't like the saying Black Lives Matter, because the insinuation is that there's a whole bunch of people out there in America who don't think Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you need to say it. Yeah. Very few people think that Black Lives don't matter. Most yeah. people would say, of course, Black Lives Matter, because all lives matter, and we're valuable not based on the color of our skin, but our human nature, mm. right? Yeah. So racism becomes wrong and evil 
and a particular disgusting form of evil because it, it mistreats, discriminates against, or targets individuals based on capacities, traits, characteristics that they have no control over. Mm. We can't control our skin color. We can't control our gender. We can't control our parents. So mistreating people based on things that they have no control over is wrong. Yeah. Here's where the bridge it happens between our cultural moment and the issue of abortion. Yeah, and and for those of you listening, I really want you to hear this point that he's going to make because this is an apologetics argument, and we are in a culture right now that's primed to have this discussion. They're open to having it in a way that probably they haven't been open in the past. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Seth, sorry to interrupt you there. That's right. No, so this is what I would tell someone who's a Black Lives Matter supporter or someone even in the organization, which, by the way, is rapidly pro-abortion, and we'll get to why that's ironic, yeah. is, is that if, if racism is evil and wrong, and I agree with you that it is because it targets and mistreats people based off traits and char- characteristics they have no control over, then how can you condone abortion? which denies the unborn child personhood and a right to life based on characteristic and traits that the human in the womb has no control over. Mm. And now now this now now we're transitioning to the arguments that the pro-abortion movement uses to defend abortion on demand. Their arguments typically, by the way, grant the pro-life premise that it's a human being in the womb, that it's biological human. Interesting. Because if you okay. don't, if you say that it's not a human, you frankly, you just look stupid today in 2020. Yeah. The, the embryological and biological evidence is so overwhelming that you have massive pro-abortion activists and philosophers and heads of organizations saying, yeah, we know it's a human because its parents are human. Mm-hmm. So it's biologically human. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It's not a person. By the way, this is the same thing that racists said about blacks. That they were they were biologically human, but they weren't persons. Mm. And so now the How same argument. How would you persons? Right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. what's a person? The pro-life position is that all humans are persons. Those terms should be used interchangeably. Human, mm-hmm. person, person, human. Yeah. It's only politically motivated actors who want to create a, a, a camp of humans and a camp of persons. So you can have non-human persons. Yeah. And for the Democratic Party— Blacks used to be an example of human non-persons. Coincidentally, today's Democratic Party also believes that there's a whole other set of human non-persons, namely unborn children. So they say we can kill the unborn because they're not persons. Why are they not persons? Pro-abort? Black Lives Matter, who's pro-abortion, why are the unborn not persons? Well, and then they're going to give you differences between the unborn and the born person, and those will be differences that will be used to justify killing the unborn. Here's and the these catch. Are, and these are arbitrary. That's right. Here's the catch. The unborn differs from us in the same ways that we differ from one another. So the pro-abort will say something like this. The unborn child is smaller, less developed, located somewhere else, and more dependent. Mm. Those are the four differences the pro-abortion movement uses to deny personhood to the unborn. But we differ according to our size. We differ according to our level of development. Mm. We differ according to our location. And we differ according to our degree of dependency, right? Diabetics are more dependent than you and I are. Mm. People on life support are more dependent. People dependent on heart pacemakers are more dependent. Oh, and by the way, what happens if you leave an infant in the crib and do nothing? Oh, yeah. They die. So they're still dependent. So notice the, the unborn differs from us in the same ways that we differ from one another, which makes the differences that the pro-abortion movement uses to dehumanize the unborn ultimately arbitrary. Yeah. Because any argument offered in defense of killing the unborn could adequately be offered in defense of killing any born person as well. Mm. Wow, that's awesome. 
That's very good. That and I, I I've studied this a little bit too, and that's uh, what uh, Coco called the sled test. Is that's that, right. Uh, yeah. Size, level of development, environment, and degree, and degree of, of dependency. dependency. That's right. Yeah. So for those of you listening, that's a, a very very solid way to be able to communicate effectively to those around you about equality, right? Because this is a discussion that comes up all the time right now is equality. And so um, I think that's a great uh, avenue to take. And I would encourage your listeners to, too that if you're pro-life, you are the human equality advocate. Mm. The pro-abortion movement are the opponents of human equality. They do not believe in human equality. They will say they do, but they don't because they have they have already said not all humans are persons. And if not all humans are persons, then you cannot be a human equality advocate. You've intentionally dehumanized a whole subset of human beings mm. and said that we can kill them and sanction their death and fund it with our tax dollars because they're not persons. So the pro-life movement and the pro-life individual is the human equality advocate. Now, why is the BLM movement specifically, you said the BLM movement is a pro-abortion. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would you know, preface what I say by saying that the phrase Black Lives Matter obviously can stand apart from the organization Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Because, of course, we all believe Black Lives Matter. Yes. But it's worth pointing out that the organization behind the messaging, behind the organization, mm. is rapidly pro-abortion, is rapidly Marxist, is rapidly pro-LGBTQ, and is opposed to the nuclear family. They say this on their website. Yes. That we stand against or want to tear down the Western contrived notion of the nuclear family, which is ironic because, of course, black America is suffering the most from fatherlessness, and now yes. they're pushing the destruction of the nuclear family, which provides the best familial environment to improve black America. But anyways, that's besides the, the topic of abortion. Yeah. But they're rapidly pro-abortion. And you knew the corporate giving that was coming after the death of George Floyd, after the murder of George Floyd. Yeah. Black Lives Matter got and hundreds of millions of dollars of donations. Wow. And so when someone said, oh, come on, Seth, you know, Black Lives Matter, why are you attacking the organization? They're getting hundreds of millions of dollars based on the premise that America is systemically racist. They're setting the narrative. They're organizing a lot of the rallies and they hate unborn children in the womb. Mm. They don't stand for school choice. They don't care about fatherlessness. They don't care about black on black crime, but ultimately they sanction abortion, which is the number one killer of black America today. Okay, let's pause right there, Seth. So we have one more segment left and we're gonna talk about this historically. We're gonna talk about where Planned Parenthood started, uh, their tax funding, and what's happening currently in the courts and so forth in order to try to put an end to this uh, because it's the height of hypocrisy. And um, really, again, like Seth is saying, if you care about equality, then you've got to, in order to be consistent, you've got to care about the unborn if you care about the equality of humanity. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, thanks for being with us today. This is Kevin Conover. You're listening to Educate for Life Radio. We're broadcasting in Southern California, KPraise 1210 AM and FM 106.1 in North County. And uh, having a great time here with my guest, Seth Gruber. Seth is a pro-life advocate. He is defending the unborn. Um, you can check him out at sethgruber.com. He's also a part of the Life Training Institute, which is an offshoot of Greg Kokel's ministry, and uh, where they're arguing int intelligently uh, defending the lives of the, uh, the unborn. And right now, this is an equality issue. Um, these young people, if you are arguing for equality, whether it's for 
blacks, uh, people of different races, whatever it might be, that you cannot consistent be consistent in your logic if you are not also arguing for equality for the unborn. Um, and I wanted to talk about this, Seth. You know, um, where do you see us going in this country in regards to, like, do you feel like we're going in a good direction? We've got, you know, uh, Trump has uh, nominated to the Supreme Court what seem to be a bunch of people that are um, conservative pro-life advocates. Um, and it almost seems like we're at a different part in history than we've ever been since 1973 with more potential to see uh, positive change in this direction than ever before. What What do you think? What, is, what do you think the future holds? Yeah, we, we, we have, the conservatives, uh, Christians, we have to fight the culture wars. We have to engage on the culture wars. The left has been fighting the culture wars very effectively, very patiently in the long game for so long. And conservatives have just sort of relied on the Republican Party to get the right judges into the circuit courts or into the Supreme Court yeah. to protect our liberties and function as sort of, you know, a bulwark against the left. But politics is downstream from culture. And the left has been fighting the culture wars so effectively for so long while we've just sort of been more focused on the political yeah. wars. And so now the and politics say, is starting to crumble because we haven't effectively engaged in the culture wars so well help enough. So help me out that. Help our listeners out that. What does that mean to engage in the culture war? What does it mean to fight the culture war as opposed to going to the uh, you know voting booth and, and casting your ballot? Right. What, what does it mean to engage in the yeah, culture yeah. war? Yeah, it, it means that we, we need to infect <laughs> the institutions— um, with conservative ideas and with conservative people who espouse those ideas to persuasively argue for those ideas in all of our different institutions, which is what the left has done so well, right? So I mean, historically, Hollywood and the left are basically now synonymous terms. Yeah, and well, they have along with the media. Our educational institutions, yeah. our media, our politics, our entertainment. Yeah. Uh, and, and ultimately, of course, the education being the long game that the left has played, uh, you know, indoctrinating young people with bad ideas about America, about human equality, about justice. And now those people are 20, 30, 40 years old, and they're in positions of influence in our country. And all they've ever heard are the arguments of the left. That's all they ever, ever right. heard. And, and as it pertains needs. to the issue of abortion, most of them have never heard, you know, legitimate persuasive pro-life ideas based on the science and based on human equality. And, you know, the evidence of the, the uh, how, how conservatives have abandoned the culture wars is quite evident, by the way. When Roe versus Wade was decided in 1973, the decision to legalize abortion through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason or no reason at all, we had a, conser a Republican a conservative appointed majority on the Supreme Court in 1992 with Planned Parenthood v. Casey which was another huge setback for the pro-life movement when Anthony Kennedy said, at the heart of liberty is the right to define your right reality and the mystery of human life. Oh my a, com a completely subjective, relativistic argument that should have no place in American jurisprudence. And yet he's espousing this type of relativism from the highest court in the land. So even when we've had the conservative legislative bulwark against the left, they've caved and often embrace some of the most radical leftist ideas. And it's almost, Why? Because it's, we have been fighting purely the political battle. I see what you're saying. While the culture has been cranking out progressives, yeah. you know, people who espouse basically anti-American ideas, and they have committed for decades to infecting our institutions, which are the ones that set the narrative in which inculcate the next generation with a certain view yeah. of human flourishing. And it's so crazy because what it seems like um, even intelligent people even even well-meaning, intelligent conservatives sometimes don't understand the, the basic arguments for what it means to uh, defend a human life. That's right. Uh, an unborn human life, whatever it is. Right. And even in the in the pulpits uh, of the churches, a lot of times these 
uh, pastors have grown up in public education. They've grown up in public universities. They've grown up going to even seminaries that have become, uh, in a sense, secularized. That's right. And so when they when they get in the pulpit, they're not advocating for the unborn either. That's right. Because and I know this is a pro-life speaker. Yeah. I know how silent the pulpit is in America on abortion yeah. and how silent our Christian educational institutions, Christian colleges and seminaries are. Yeah. This has been an observation of pro-life individuals for a long time is that the pro-life movement doesn't seem to have the church on their side because we don't have the pastors and Christian leaders on our side. And we don't have them on our side because the theological institutions in which they were educated did little or nothing to include abortion within their theological training mm. to ensure that the next generation of Christian leaders who would have influence in significant areas held the right ideas about human equality injustice and we're prepared to contend for those ideas in the public square so the church has gone silent and now we have what is called the the i think the silence of the shepherds mm. on the abortion of the lambs all right it's awful and the and this is the culture war that you're talking about these this is engaging in the culture war when you talk That's about right. that that we're not just leaving it to the politicians we're not just leaving it to the judges we're actually intelligently making the case and those actually influence the politicians they influence the judges That's right. when we are able to speak uh truth intelligently That's right. And so you were saying that BLM um is rabidly uh pro abortion. Um can you help us out with that? Why would why would an organization like that when when abortion has negatively impacted blacks more than any other racial group, why would they be so pro-abortion? Right. Isn't that, isn't that a great question? It's bizarre. And this, this is the irony and the inverted reality of choice of the left, right? Ultimately, the, the, the left does espouse ideas that invert the very sort of common sense reality that most of us hold to. Yeah. For example, the pro-choice message is that for women to be equal with men, they need to have access to abortion. But the common sense realist would say, if human equality exists, then human rights have to be granted to all humans, mm. which would include the unborn. So they invert that reality and say, no, actually, actually, if you really, really think about it, yeah. for women to have equality, it must necessitate the legal and moral right to pay a physician to dismember the limbs of their unborn child, often a great pain to the child for her to be truly equal. So they invert these common sense ideas like human equality to mean something completely different from human equality. In fact, something very dangerous that actually attacks the idea of human equality. Black Lives Matter, when they started, right, after um, after the, the shooting of... Um, uh, Floyd? Uh, no, uh, Michael Brown. Oh, Michael Brown. Right, yeah, the hand, yeah, yeah. So a hands up, don't shoot. Yeah. And then all the testimony said actually he bum rushed the cop, tried to remove the gun and shoot the officer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, the Black Lives Matter was launched on the idea that Michael Brown said hands up, don't shoot. He put his hands up, he said don't shoot. And the cop just shot him and killed him. That's not what happened. But yeah. Black Lives Matter was launched off of that event, off yeah. of that incident. And yeah. they used that incident to set the narrative that blacks are being disproportionately targeted by white racist cops to exterminate them. Well, ironically, there actually is an organization that focuses on disproportionately targeting blacks to exterminate them. And it's called Planned Parenthood. It's called the abortion industry, yeah. which was launched by Margaret Sanger, who was a racist and eugenicist who spoke at KKK rallies and who Hitler looked to as an example of inculcating the society with eugenics ideas. And she wrote extensively on how birth control could be used and sold to black America as an empowering, freeing tool. Mm. But ultimately, she wanted to see less black people. And she launched something called the Negro Project and got pastors on black pastors on board to help sort of push the idea of birth control. Uh, but really what she wanted was less blacks in America and also less infirm or disabled people, right? This idea of eugenics. We need yeah. to intentionally weed out those that we deem unfit to live. Which is really an, has an evolutionary foundation. Yeah, of course. And so that was the founding of Planned Parenthood. Now, ironically, Kevin, 
uh, Margaret Sanger was not for abortion. From the, all the literature we have, it seems that she was opposed to the idea of abortion. But she was a racist and eugenicist. And Planned Parenthood adopted those ideals. That was, that was the ideas that the organization was, was launched on. And then when they adopted abortion as part of their platform, which we can talk about the history of the sexual revolution, right, yeah, and yeah, how yeah. the sexual revolution hijacked the women's movement to become one and the same. Um, when they adopted abortion is, is, is now integral to what Planned Parenthood is. That became increasingly disastrous for black America. So U.S. Census Bureau reports that about 13.4% of the American public are African Americans, right? So split that half and half between men and women. So sure. call, call it, you know, 6.5% or whatever, um, 6.7. Now, not all of, not 6.7% of, of, of America would be black women. Are, are, are all of them of childbearing age? No. So let's cut it in half again. Yeah. <laughs> so you're yeah. talking like th- a little over 3% of American women obtaining over 40%, around 40%, 38, 40% of the annual abortions. Whoa. And Planned Parenthood knows this. They know that black America obtains a disproportionate amount of abortions. So they they, they tailor, yeah, Planned Parenthood tailors their business practices and the geographical locations of their clinics to reflect that knowledge, to increase their profits. There was a study by Protecting Black Life that found that 79% of Planned Parenthood surgical abortion facilities are located within walking distance of African-American communities. So they put their death camps in a strategic location to make the importation and extermination of unwanted black babies as efficient as possible, fulfilling the dream of Margaret Sanger of less black people. And because of abortion and the way that white racists who masquerade as progressives have used it to target black America, the black birth rate in America has nearly flatlined. If you see a, a pregnant black woman in New York City, she's more likely walking to an abortion clinic than to give birth. Oh more goodness. babies are aborted. More black babies are aborted in New York City than born. And if we really want black America to flourish, then which I do, then I would say I want more black people, not less. But the organization Black Lives Matter do not believe that all black lives matter. In fact, when the organization was launched, their website had all of the euphemistic phraseology of choice. We, we stand for reproductive health care and reproductive justice, right? Mm. Well, they removed that recently because they probably saw a sort of a pr- problematic message if they're wanting bipartisan support yeah. for Black Lives Matter, certainly following the, the murder of George Floyd. But uh, Alicia Garza, one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter, later started an organization with Cecile Richards, the former president of Planned Parenthood, who's basically besties with Hillary Clinton and, and a, a, a white racist herself. And uh, they launched an organization called Supermajority together. So the president of Planned Parenthood, responsible for killing more black babies than the KKK lynched in a century, and the co-founder of Black Lives Matter launched an organization together to help train and equip young women to be political activists. And largely that would mean to be abortion political activists. Now, how you make sense of that irony, I'm not sure. But this shows the deeper problem of our country, the the cultural problems, the spiritual problems, and... uh, and, and ultimately, you know, the God problem, the God-shaped hole that the people have and yeah. that they're trying to fill with this idea of sexual libertinism and freedom, which to them has to include the right to abortion. Yeah. Wow, Seth, thank you so much. Um, we're just about out of time here. But um, if you want more information, SethGruber.com, please check him out and uh, support what he's doing because really we need to pay, make people aware. What, what's happened here is there is a lack of awareness of these issues. I mean, those numbers, I, I would... You know, I would say most people do are not aware of those numbers that That's you just right. quoted. That's right. And if more people were aware of them, I think that we would continue to see a mass exodus 
from the Democrat Party of black people. The black community would abandon. That's right. Um, and I think we are seeing that, in, in fact. So spread the word. If you're, right. if you're hearing this for the first time, you know what? Uh, do a post to it. Link to it. That's right. um, communicate it. And if you want more of these pro-life ideas, my podcast is Unaborted with Seth Gruber. We're all unaborted. Our mothers made the right choice. So if you want to hear more of these ideas, you can subscribe to on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again, Seth. Really appreciate you being here, Thank man. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks so much for tuning in to Kevin Conover and Ice Conversation today. I hope you enjoyed it. Share this episode with a friend. Share this episode with someone who is not pro-life and have a good conversation with them about the kind of ideas and principles that you just heard us talk about. Please give the show a rating and review. It really helps us reach more people, especially because the abortion trolls uh, troll this podcast and leave nasty reviews. So go ahead and give us five stars. Let us know what you think. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to engage with me online, follow me on social media. I just launched a TikTok and an Instagram account as well to reach more young people with these pro-life ideas. To support my ministry or to learn more, to view my speaking schedule or to get in touch with me, go to sethgruber.com. That's S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com to sign up for my newsletter, to get my speaking schedule or to view our pro-life church tour, I'm Alive, which is launching this fall as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week and Godspeed.